like to make the crunch time plays. Now your host, Bennett Gainey. Crunch, crunch, crunch time plays. This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Jared Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for Crunch Time Plays. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today, whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much. Got another exciting guest for you talking about the changing landscape in college football. Very excited to bring Paige Kuhn in here again. It'll be the third time we've had her. Of course, it's a record uh, on the show. First third time guest. And But first, before we get to her, very excited to have her. We've got to give a shout out to our new partner, prizepicks.com. If they got anything you want, fantasy props over there. They've got NFL nba major league baseball they've got anything you want over there they've got their college football futures up which is what we're really going to be focusing on during the season got their passing yardage receiving yardage uh, over unders up so definitely excited about that definitely excited to pass those along to you uh, during the season if you sign up today at prizepicks.com use the code crunch time plays you'll automatically get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars again that's prizepicks.com and let's make the crunch time plays during college football with us we're very excited to to welcome Paige back in Paige hope you're doing well and and thanks so much for taking time and you know you're you're you've reached a, a new record on the show it's your third appearance I feel like you need a plaque now at this point <laughs> because I, I've reached this this uh monumental moment um but I'm happy to be back um like I told you before we started recording I do love being here and love having these conversations with you so anytime anyone allows me to talk college football or any sport I think um, I'm okay with it, and you're always a joy to to see. So I'm glad I'm back. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and and you're always a, a joy to see as well. And and you kind of told you before, kind of rebranding the show to kind of focus on more college football and recruiting. So definitely, definitely excited to keep getting you back uh, as long as long as you're as long as you're available. And and so yes. I obviously have to start by talking about uh, the alliance. But before I want to before the we talk about the alliance, I did kind of want to ask you about. Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. I know we hadn't gotten a chance to speak since yeah. then, but just what are your what are your just off the cuff? What are your thoughts on that? I know a lot of people talk about possibly in a recruiting advantage that Texas is going to get. You know, personally, I kind of feel like just you know just replacing the sticker on the helmet from the Big Twelve to the SEC is not going to automatically give you a an advantage in recruiting if you're Texas. But I really do believe that that Coach Sarkeesian being there being able to show that you're innovative offensively and also being able to compete uh, in the SEC, which what really looks like next year to really shows these recruits. And and if you do, you know, join the SEC in 22, I think that really puts you into the, the Arch Manning conversation that we're going to have uh, in the 2023 class. But this is what off the cuff, just what are your generic thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, the SEC's motto is it just means more. And I think that's sort of why um, Oklahoma and Texas were like, well, it means more there and it means more to other people that if you're a part of the SEC. So I do think it was a smart move. I know a lot of people gave Texas specifically flack just because they're like, you know, you have your own network, you have all of this, you know, you make so much money, all this stuff, and you're going to have to cut, take a cut of a bigger pie, like all this stuff. 
I understand it, but I also think like, like you said, you know, maybe changing that logo on the helmet and now knowing what's going to become of the big 12 is just basically going, okay, it does mean more. This is going to have some impact. Um, I do think uh, college football playoff expansion was a big part of this move because it's like, okay, how do we give ourselves the best chance? And I know some people will say, okay, well, these teams could, are going to lose to SEC teams, which is fair. Um, but they're also putting themselves in positions to get better. I mean, you're going up against the best talent and not to say that like Texas and Oklahoma don't have the best talent, but the teams they were playing didn't. And the defense in the big 12 was just not there. So I think it was an overall good move. And I I don't think we're going to have to wait out this media contract thing. I think with everything coming down the pipe with the Alliance and all of the other stuff that's happening. I don't see it being that long of a wait for us to have them like fully in the sec. Um, but I think it's great. Honestly, I think it's great for college football. Um, I, I say that very timidly because I do think there are a lot of things that like are going on in college football that make it just like extremely vulnerable right now. Um, but including name image likeness, but I think it's overall going to shift how this all goes and it's moving in the right direction. I think it's been the same for a long time. And we've seen a lot of movement be the same. So when there are changes, it's very much similar to things that have happened in the past. And some of the stuff we see now is just like never happened before. So I'm excited to see what happens for the sport. Um, I think it's going to be fun. Um, and I think we're going to enjoy college football um, for years to come. And it's not going to change in the traditions, but it's going to change in the way that we we view it, we consume it and, um, you know, the matchups and things like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. And then speaking of matchups, obviously we got the alliance that was just announced between the the Big yeah. Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. And and you're out on the West Coast. I know from a, the Pac-12 perspective, it's really very interesting. You know, thinking about you know just the you know like you were talking about just the, mat, the intriguing matchups that we're we're going to be having over these over however long uh, you know this alliance yeah. lasts. And and just the from you know just. I know everybody is thinking of it. You know, we're kind of like the kind of like the Justice League. You know, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 coming coming to take on the villain that is the SEC uh, right. throughout the rest of the country. But but just from from an SEC perspective, it's kind of like well, I mean, you can you know you can vote to you if you want to vote uh, no on college football playoff expansion. That's fine. We're still going to get our team in uh, every year. Whereas the you know, you're kind of hurting yourself, you know, if you're the Pac-12 or, or the, you know, even the ACC, if you didn't have Clemson, they could easily be shut out of a 14 playoff. And it's, we know the Pac-12 has only made it a couple times in the seven years that it's been in existence. So, but just when you think about what it, what this means for those three conferences uh, outside of that, just what do you think it means for that? So here's what I will say, having listened to the press conference today, um, and a lot of people were like, well, this is like a gentleman's agreement. There's no signed contract. And that's basically, I mean, it was smart on their part not to sign any contracts because they don't know what's going to happen. Essentially, this was like Thanos is the SEC and the Avengers will call. I know I don't want to give the, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 that much credit, but we'll call them the Avengers trying to basically hold off um the snap of the finger really like it's basically them trying to hold it off because they know that this is not good for all of them if the sec keeps getting bigger and it was moving so quickly that i think this was just their like band-aid way of being like okay let's slow this down and figure it out now i do think this is a huge positive for all three conferences in the sense that 
you're not signed into anything right now and you're not legally binded into anything. But in terms of like, okay, the SEC and ESPN and Disney is a conglomerate together, okay? But if you combined the Big Ten, the Pac-12 and the ACC, you're hitting all time zones. So you're not, if you're the Pac-12, hey, it's fantastic that a team is going to play earlier in the day, play against an opponent where people are going to care, those type of things. And also you're going to get level of play better for certain teams and conferences. Like I know people in the ACC are going to be mad, but there are top tier Pac-12 teams that are better than ACC teams. That's just the fact. So I think when you look at it from like a bigger standpoint, it basically to them is like, hey, we're not a package deal. But if, say, a Fox, an Amazon, uh, uh, whatever media conglomerate that wants to do streaming or whatever, get rights for it, we're not a package deal right now, but we could be if you wanted us to be. But we're not, like, stuck in this where we have to be designated to these these three conferences. I do think this eventually falls apart in some case because there is an offer that is too big for a conference to, um, you know, say no to. But essentially, you're... You're saying, okay, look, we're not going to go and do the normal thing. And like I mentioned before, a lot of this is, hey, we're not going to go back and do what we've seen before when there's been college football realignment and conference realignment. We're not going to go and just poach teams from the Big 12. We're not going to make more conferences or whatever because they're actually not like, I mean, the Pac-12 specifically is not doing great as a conference as is. So they don't need to add members to make, that's not the solution. And I think that's sort of what, the SEC solution is to get bigger and get better. And that is totally, totally fair. But for the other three, that is not the right solution and the right move. So I think this is essentially their way of going, okay, look, we understand that we want, and they use the word stabilize a lot in their press conference because they're trying to stabilize it all. They're trying to hold off Thanos. Like I said, they're trying to hold off this like monster um, that is taking over and basically take that time to like, be smart about these things. Also, these commissioners are very, very smart individuals. I I know that they said, oh, someone mentioned that they mentioned, oh, they weren't going to focus on the money. Of course, it's about the money. Of course, it's about money. But it's also not just about the money for them and their conferences, but it's about like, how do we not alienate ourselves in a sense that, okay, if we join the SEC, if we do whatever, there's still big money elsewhere besides ESPN. There, people are going to buy into college football. So long-winded way of saying that um, I think the alliance, I think people were extra critical of it, but I, I get why they did it. What were they supposed to do? Just like sit there and be like, okay, the SEC's taken over. Let's just let it happen. No, you're not going to react. You don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction. So this was their best way to go about it. I don't know if a press conference was the best idea because they got asked a lot of questions they didn't have answers to, which almost made it worse. But um, I'm, I'm not totally against this alliance idea. No, I'm not either, and, and personally, I'm very excited to see the matchups that can come of this in the regular season. Very big for for any network that wants to, or any streaming platform that wants to stream these games. Yes. And they, we talk, you know, just thinking about, you know, I think about here, you know, in the southeast, obviously Clemson, Ohio State, Clemson, you know, USC or Clemson, Washington would obviously be a a fantastic game. But even like, yeah, know, North, North Carolina, Michigan would be an outstanding game. Uh, it, you know, every couple of years, just but. It, do you get the sense that, and I know this probably would have would have happened anyway, but mm-hmm. just the reactionary piece of it, given that these conference commissioners are so new, you know, Jim Phillips is in his yeah. first year. We had the Pac-12 commissioner first yeah. year now, and then Kevin Warren was obviously a disaster last year in in the Big Ten, entering into his uh, second yeah. year. 
So do you do you get the sense that uh, I don't think this would have changed the outcome, but would they have gone about this a little bit different way if they would have been, you know, a more experienced group of of commissioners? I think so. I think the people that were sort of helping them in terms of like PR probably didn't make the smartest move by having them come out and discuss this yet. I think they should have had some concrete things that they had scheduled. So specifically maybe a non-conference because they did talk about women's and men's basketball. And I think that's the the one that they're going to be able to put into place the quickest. Um, and so I would say I would have come out and say, hey, this is a tournament we're creating. This is what's going to happen for basketball this year for women's and men's. And that's sort of the idea of what they're trying to do is like you're going to make money on big things like that. You're going to have people travel, the more teams, the more competitive, whatever. It's not just about football, too. That That's the other part of this that's that's you know, getting lost in the shuffle because football is the major part of this. But I do think people are super critical of them. And I think like if they would have been around for a while and I think Sankey is praised on all levels because he does handle things really, really well. But I also think like you have to understand that a lot of these guys like so the new Pac-12 commissioner has a media background like that's his job and his knowledge is knowing all of those things and i don't think it was an accident that we picked someone i say weeks obviously i, I was went to a pack 12 school i don't think it's an accident that they picked someone that had that background because one of the biggest struggles was getting people to see pack 12 teams and i mean you had and i hate to bring this up but i always do i mean you had reporters literally tell Christian McCaffrey to his face that they didn't stay up to watch him play. So changing that narrative and getting guys who want to go to the NFL and be seen, especially with name image and likeness where they could be on bigger networks on different times, primetime slots, earlier times with bigger programs, even though they're not that on, at that level yet, like that's, that's huge for them. So I do think a lot of this is about the media deals and that's why they are not signing any form of contract is because like I said, ESPN is going to be the the king, and rightfully so, because they cover it so well. But there are other people involved in other factors that have a ton of money, and I definitely would keep an eye on streaming services because that is going to be the move in the next 10 years when it comes to all sports. And I think college sports is just at the peak right now of interest in terms of, like, we're going to change things up. Let's do something new, and people are really going to buy in. So I, I I do think that people are being extra critical of them, but I think they have backgrounds that can um, absolutely help them um, sort of make this work. Um, but they do have their word cut out for them, that's for sure. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's a, that's actually something that I have been thinking about. You know, over today, you mentioned uh, the time the time zone thing, Christian McCaffrey. I actually feel like that he. I actually feel like they he would have won the Heisman if if more people would have stayed up to watch him play in all those late night games. <laughs> I'm just going to say, are you saying that just to make my heart happy? Everyone knows that the, that's the hill I will die on is that um, Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman that year. And that, that's no disrespect to Derrick Henry who did win it. Um, I just, I mean, you broke a record that stood for 27 years and people will say, Oh, the competition's not there, but how come no one's broken it then in the SEC? All right. So uh, I, I really do. Uh, wish that he would have won that, but that's that's a conversation conversation in a rant for another time, really. Hey, I mean, I, I'm not just saying that. I mean, I've, I'm not just <laughs> saying that because you were on here. You know, I'd say it. I'd say it for anybody, but but that I really really do feel like that that's going to be an advantage for for them to be able to play a lot of these uh, marquee type matchups. I know, you know, the Big Ten and the the Pac-12 they play nine conference games right now. Mm -hmm. I think definitely yeah. we could see them going back to eight to be able yep. to accommodate uh, some of these type matchups. Yep, they're going to have to. I mean, this is going to take – and that's partially why I said I don't know why they did it now because I do think 
they already knew that that was going to be something they'd have to figure out. So I don't know why certain pieces like that weren't figured out before they had this conversation. I think they honestly just felt panicked and needed to do something because they felt like, you know, college football expansion, there is a meeting in September to go over sort of all this kind of stuff. So I do think there was the pressure to be, you know, in motion doing something and not just sitting still um, because it it is going to have a huge impact on the sport moving forward. It's not just about conference realignment. It's about the, you know, the playoff expansion, NIL, everything. It's all intertwined. And so, like we said earlier, it is just like, there's not been an off season in the last two years, it feels like, because we've just been talking about all of these things, whether it's going to be a season, whether it's a spring season. Oh, wait, now we're going to pay, we're going to be able to pay players and they're going to, be able to make money off their name image like this. Oh, we're also going to expand the playoff. Oh, also two teams are going to the SEC. It just is like a, a overwhelming movement. And I don't think it slows down anytime. No, no, I don't either. And that's one of the things that, that's really interesting. You know, I know a lot of these details haven't been uh, ironed out yet, but I know the deals for a lot for these three conferences, the TV deals all expire at, at different times. It's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, what they do with that. I thought they maybe may have had, you know, obviously you're not going to work out the, the kinks for that right now, but definitely it would have been like something that I know people want, would have wanted to hear about uh, whenever they announced this thing, but, but just the potential of, of these type matchups, what, companies are going to be interested in in buying out of these games and and is it is it going to be a package deal you know is the is the three are the three conferences going to have no just a deal with with one network to be able to to broadcast all these games yeah i think the interesting part about that is that's why they're not announcing hey you know, we're going to come together and buy out this conference from their con- their contract a little early because they're waiting to see who the highest bidder is. They're absolutely waiting for more information and they just needed to go, okay, let's take some time. We're going to get more information on who's interested, who's doing what, and what moves the SEC is making as well. So these are all things that are like, I think people were so critical about them not signing a contract, which I also find to be absolutely hilarious because like we know, like th- these things fall through, even when you have like an agreed upon contract, if it's not in writing, it's not a done deal yet. So let's pump the brakes here. You know, we need to pass the physical and all of those things. And I think that's the part that they're at is that they wouldn't pass the physical at this point. So they're like, all right, let's just wait it out. We'll agree. And then announce what we've agreed so that it looks like we're doing something, but we're not really yet. So um, it- it's a lot of, and it's also very comical because I mean, as you know, if you if you follow college football on Twitter, there are so many opinions and so many very, very passionate people about these things. Um, and all of them have the right to their opinion for sure. But it's also just like, why are we stressing out over this? Like we have dealt with so much worse over the last year when it comes to college football. I'm okay with these three commissioners being like, hey, this is what we're doing. And it's a gentleman's agreement, like pinky promise. We're not going to, you know, expand or talk to other people. Um yeah, it's silly, but it's like, you know what? That's the state of college football right now. It's absolutely silly and chaos. So I don't mind it at all. No, I don't either. And and obviously the, the main question comes uh, from this is, is what does it do to the college football playoff expansion plan? I know we had the 12-team playoff format plan kind of laid out, but, you know, it's really interesting. You know, Bob Bowlesby was a part of that working group. He seems to not be factoring into the equation anymore. Uh, in the Big 12, you know, they're just kind of getting left out still. But And then Greg Sankey and then has some Notre Dame representation and then another person as well. So th- these th- these conferences that are 
that are joining in the alliance, they really didn't have any representation uh, in that working group. So do you get the sense now of how they how they would vote in a in a playoff expansion vote? I know the SEC probably just doesn't care. They would, you know, they're going to get their team in regardless. Yeah, Snakey's been pretty adamant about we're fine with four because we're going to get our team in regardless. But do you get a sense at all of how uh, if these three commissioners are even collected right now on how they would vote in that particular vote? Or do you think that's something that they're still going to have to iron out amongst themselves? So I think part of the move on the Pac-12's part was that um, I think, I mean, it was set, the new playoff format that was proposed, the 12 team, left a loophole for the fact that it didn't necessarily mean all power five teams got a team in. And I think for the PAC 12, they knew that and felt targeted by that and went, okay, let's figure out a way to get ourselves aligned and maybe adjust those things to benefit them. So I think having, they are, I don't think that if I was the PAC 12, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's do the playoff expansion. I vote yes on this. I think the other commissioners, it would have been totally fine. But I think now that they've formed this in terms of the PAC 12, I think they mentioned in the press conference, like, oh, we're all for playoff expansion, which I do think they are. I do think they're all totally on board with that. But I think the proposed stuff that we thought we were so close, we were so close. It makes me so sad because I'm all for playoff expansion. I thought this was a great proposal. I was like, wow, we actually have something figured out here. This throws a wrench in it because they're going to, it's going to mean, okay, we're doing this alliance and we're going to help you on other things you're going to need to help us out. So we, it's because it benefits them. If the pack, if they're a, a package deal, it benefits them if the pack 12 is in the, in the playoff. So I, I do think it slows that process down a little bit, but I think, I mean, like I mentioned before, a lot of this revolves around media deals and I think they want those things to happen. So I think it's, it's full steam ahead still for making that happen. It's just going to take a little bit longer and maybe some tweaking of the initial proposal. Um, just because I, I mean, that was, if I'm, if I'm someone who roots for a PAC 12 team, I'm okay with this alliance. Cause I think we get the most out of this out of anybody. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that they are all for playoff expansion, but I think the PAC 12 is going to pump the brakes a little bit and maybe say, Hey, let's tweak it a little to make sure we're all right. Yeah. They definitely, they definitely want to make sure that they get, uh, they get a, a, a power conference, uh, automatic bid. It feels like. Yeah. They're not going to get that, but I'm hoping that maybe there's something in there. And hey, here's the other part of this. If they're playing against, um, you know, Pac-12 opponents normally, and then some Big Ten and some ACC at the top of those conferences, I mean, you're going to get in. You're going to be able to argue sort of what the SEC has now, where if you lose to um, an Alabama or, you know, if you lose to uh, a Georgia, like you can, you can say like, oh, but this is why I'm in this division and this is what happens. So I do think that it's, there's all sorts of moving parts and they've looked at things that have happened in the past and how it's going to affect it going forward and being expanded. But yeah, no, I, if I'm a PAC 12 fan, I'm happy about the idea of, you know, giving us a shot uh, to play against other um, power five teams uh, that make us look better and have strength of schedule. And maybe people will stay up to watch the games and not just look at the score. It, it definitely changes a lot for the PAC 12. Yeah, definitely. And, and kind of, you know, the, the, the team and where I kind of want to transition with you next kind of to looking ahead to this specific season is, you know, we kind of look at, we looked at that 12 team format and we looked at, you know, the six uh, highest ranked conference champions. And we're kind of like, well, the group of five, you know, they have a chance, but you know, when to get a couple teams in, they would have gotten a couple teams in last year in Cincinnati and coastal Carolina, but 
But when you look at this year specifically, mm-hmm. I don't feel like people aren't talking about Cincinnati enough because when you look at them this year, this is only the second year that I've gone into a season outside of Houston was the team back in 2016 leading into yes. the season when they played Oklahoma in game one. There was actually a kick six in that game. I know, you know, the one Chris Davison, the Iron Bowl is going to live uh, in infamy, of course, but but there was a, a kick, another kick six by Houston in that game against Oklahoma, the first game of the 2016 season. And, and they obviously went on to win that game. And and then, of course, they, you know, they kind of faltered down the stretch, ended up with four losses. Tom Herman goes to Texas. So that was kind of the end of, of yep. Houston uh, for, for a while. But, but Cincinnati specifically this season, I put out a video about this, you know, if they, you know, if, if they go 13 and oh, they obviously have those road games against Indiana and Notre Dame, two teams that are solidly in the top 20 uh, in the preseason. Just if they, if they were to end up going on the road and winning those games, especially at Notre Dame, when they've, the last time they lost was against Georgia back in 2017 at home. So when you look at Cincinnati, if they, if they go 13 and 0, if they win the American, I don't see how you can keep them out of this 14 playoff. I feel like I know, feel like a lot of the chips would just fall right into play for them. Uh, and I know there's going to be a lot of people mad, of course, that they go undefeated and don't get in. But yeah, I really, do, I really do feel like that they that they deserve to be in if they go undefeated. Yeah, I think you sort of nailed it in the sense that they're playing teams that are in the top 20. So they, they need to be considered like the, the, an undefeated season. People always say like, Oh, because they play in whatever. And I know we go back to like the UCFs and, and things like that. It's like, look at who they're playing against. Look at where they're playing the environments they're playing in. I mean, this team, if, if they go undefeated and don't get in this year, it would, it would honestly be awful for college football because I do think we deserve that chance, not only to see those players because they have a fantastic roster, but just the the fact that we're not even giving them the chance. Like, yes, we're eventually going to get the expansion and eventually we're going to be able to do this. But I do think it does a disservice to the format now and it makes it even more like tried and true of like, come on, guys, we we need to let this this team in. And I think even last year I was really annoyed with how that whole situation went down with them as well. Um, but yeah, I they're they're set up and that schedule is set up to get them in. They just have to do their job on their part. And I honestly think they can. So I'm, I'm hoping for it. I'm, I'm on the Cincinnati Cincinnati bandwagon for sure. So I'm really, really hoping that they sort of pull that off and, and get there for, for the group of five teams finally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, me too. I mean, if they go undefeated, I don't see how you can keep them out. And, and the kind of the key, I know, the committee likes to say they don't look at, at the AP like to start to start the season. They prefer to to just kind of go off of their their own rankings. You know, if they mm-hmm. if Cincinnati is undefeated by November second, they would obviously have already beaten uh, Indiana and Notre Dame. So certainly would be interested to see where they are in that first playoff ranking. But the fact that they were number eight in the AP poll, I really do feel like the commit. You know, a lot of people. And I'm one of them. I don't really pay attention to the AP poll, except for maybe in this case where Cincinnati is kind of already being viewed as a team that's in the top 10. So if they go undefeated, I don't necessarily see how you could keep them out of that top four. Yeah, they're absolutely um, getting, I think it was the BYU treatment last year where they kept them pretty high despite everything. Um, I I really do think that the, the bar is set high for them and people are high on them. They're just not high enough. I do think Texas A&M is being looked at as like this 
that this is their year thing. And I just, I hate to break it to Texas A&M fans. That's just, it's not. So um, you can put this on cold takes exposed. I don't even care. Uh, because I, I, I think it's funny to me to see Texas A&M ranked where they are and Cincinnati ranked where they are. And if Texas A&M falters, it's not going to be as big of a deal as if, if Cincinnati falters. And I think that's the biggest thing. So it's going to be keeping an eye on, like, if it's a close game between either of those two teams, like you mentioned. And I, I if it is a close game, do they move? Is Does someone jump them because they won by a bigger margin because they're in the SEC or whatever? Um, that's the stuff to keep an eye on. I do think that the playoff committee saying they don't pay attention to the AP poll is – Maybe partially true, but I don't. I I think we also just know how college football rankings go in general, and what people view and how they they pick their their teams is is based on a lot of things, not just the schedule, not just you know who they've played. It is and how much they've won by. It's definitely the the history of the program and things like that 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 go into it. And I think that's just how the AP poll is, and I think that's how the the college football playoff rankings will be too. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And, and and kind of moving away from Cincinnati, give me give me a couple of teams that, that aren't, you know, cool. Clemson. Give me a couple of teams that aren't Clemson, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, that are really, in your mind, contenders for a playoff spot. You know, for me, I go to the another team out of the SEC, look at Georgia. You know, they're going to be really talented. They obviously, you know, begin with Clemson, and they have a pretty manageable schedule the rest of the way until they meet. Uh, whoever the West champion is in the SEC championship game. And then, you know, I kind of look at Iowa State out of the Big 12 and look at them, say if they, you know, they could beat Oklahoma twice or even even split the games with them if they beat them in the in the Big 12 championship. Those are two teams that kind of keeping an eye on. Are there any, are there any other teams that, that you're looking at outside of the top ones that, that really contenders uh, in your mind going into the season? So I hate to say this, but I would never call any of – them contenders because I would just I would I want to be realistic about some of this stuff um, because I do think that like you mentioned like I would say I mean they are returning so many starters to that team it it should not like I I hope that people start to watch games like that like if you're a casual college football fan like that's a team that I will just say is fun to watch so please go watch them Cincinnati is also there I do think this Georgia team is good but I, I, I also love Indiana if they have a, a healthy quarterback. Um, I, I absolutely am all in on the Hoosiers, but I don't see any of them breaking into the party. I do think we see Clemson uh, back to just being – I mean, I shouldn't say back. They've been there still. Alabama is still going to be good. I mean, those teams are just going to – like I think Ohio State, once they figure out the quarterback situation, again, still going to be in that situation as well. Um, I just think the like, same – guys are going to be good again we are going to have a little bit more excitement this year when it comes to the Iowa States and because like you said like Oklahoma is usually that like guy that's there I think Iowa State can ruin the party for them I do think Indiana can have some fun um in the Big Ten um but I don't see those those being factors for the teams that in their conferences that are actually going to make the playoff unfortunately I wish but once it expands then we'll talk yeah, that's true. And in Indiana, I got to say, you know, Ty Freifogel, he's got to be on the all-name team. He's personally my my favorite name, <laughs> one of my favorite names in college football. And he's got to, and he's one of, he, you know, he's one of my favorite receivers and most talented receivers in the game too. But just mm-hmm. the all, just he definitely makes the all-name team for me. Yeah, there's a few of those. I honestly, I need to go through and see if there. I'm sure someone has published a list of 
of funny names. Maybe we should do it for Bleacher Report of the best names in college football because there are a ton of them. Even when like I was prepping for the draft, I'm like, I didn't know who this guy was who played for whatever state in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, this guy's name is awesome. I can't believe we didn't know about this. Um, so yeah, definitely need to look into names. But I also just love the culture sort of that Indiana has. I, I mean, we saw it a little last year. I mean, it, it's so sweet how much those players buy into what they're doing there. Um, so that's, I think, also part of it for me is like when you see something like that. And I think that also goes for Iowa State too, because these aren't guys that are, you know, going into these programs being these like top scouted players. And it's not like going to an Alabama or a Clemson or, or an Ohio State. It's totally different. And so you do have to buy in and do things that, you know, maybe other people don't have to do in terms of being great. I don't tell Nick Saban I said that because obviously Alabama does everything they're supposed to do always, even though they're Alabama. Um, but it it is really exciting to see some of the other programs like the Cincinnati's, the Iowa State's, the Indiana's, um, and even just going to like see like UCF with, with Gus Balzot. Like those are things that are going to be exciting to watch this year for college football in general. And sort of also we know that it's moving towards an expansion so it's exciting to sort of like anticipate how those things are going to factor in because we are going to see upsets. Like as much as it's not going to be March Madness, there is going to be a game that goes a different direction. We sort of saw it even this year in the playoff. Like Ohio State, the people were so against them and thought that they were there was no way they were going to win a game. So I I really do think that it's going to be exciting for us as fans who know it's expanding to watch those teams and maybe be like, okay, they can be contenders in years to come. Maybe not right this second, but in the future. Yeah. I mean, I love what Tom Allen's doing uh, at Indiana. Definitely certainly building the, the culture there. If he stays there, they're definitely going to be a contender. Kind of like what, you know, I know a lot of people don't talk about Arkansas being at the bottom, you know, being at the bottom of the sec West, but love what Sam Pitt. Well, he reminds me of what Sam Pittman's. Yes. Uh, building at Arkansas obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna be world beaters just because of the schedule that they play but if you were to give them another team schedule they'd be favored in pretty much every game they play yeah I know a lot of people like to pick Ole Miss as like the sort of like upset person because they could score a lot of points but I would be careful of Arkansas if I were some SEC teams I would not overlook playing Arkansas this year at all no, I wouldn't either. And they've, they've got a couple of, of opportunities to, to prove themselves at the beginning of the year. Obviously, they play Texas at home, then they go to Dallas to play uh, Texas A&M. So, so if, you're, if Texas and A&M are, are, aren't uh, careful of those two games, they could easily slip up against the Razorbacks going into the first part of the year. I mean, what a welcome to the SEC. Losing to Arkansas would be something, I'd have to say. Uh, that would be – that would just mean that Texas is never going to be back. And this is just its future is right here while we're watching them lose to Arkansas. But um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, obviously, because Texas fans will come for me. But uh, it could. It, it, it very well could. Yeah, I mean, you're because you're, you're not, you know, you're not playing the schedule. You're playing you're playing that one team on Saturday and a team that you consider yourselves very comparable with. And so yep. you can easily beat them. Uh, you know, especially being at home against Texas, you can easily uh, knock off the Longhorns if you play well. But I did kind of want to end the show with you, kind of, kind of fun. I know we're we're giving a lot of our our prize picks uh, over under fantasy numbers out uh, during the season. So I did kind of want to get your thoughts on a couple of players, a couple of quarterbacks outside of the SEC. We've had a lot of SEC guests, so we've hit a lot of the SEC teams. But okay, just what are your thoughts on? I want to get your thoughts on Keaton Slovis first at USC. Okay. He's got an over-under right now of 
3,800 passing yards during the season. Do you think he gets over that mark or is he, or is he under that mark? I would take the under. I I feel bad, but I – and here's the, here's the real thing. is just because of the inconsistency of USC's offense over the last couple of years, and nothing's really changed. I mean, yes, they have a new offensive coordinator, obviously-ish new, but, like, it – it's still really hard to keep the ball rolling and things being consistent when you've had so much of what they've had go on over the last couple of years. So I, I, it's not necessarily a him thing. It's more of like a, that whole offense thing. Um, so I would take the under on that one. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Yeah. USC fans. I want yeah, it. I, mean, I, I want it for the Pac-12 schools, but I, I can't. No, I mean, I, I'm with you. And you know, if you're a, if you're a USC fan listening, you can send us a uh, hate mail if Keith yeah, does uh, get over 3,800. But but I'd be willing to bet that uh that that he doesn't do that. And and then the passing touchdown number for Slovis, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the passing yardage number. The passing touchdown number uh, is 30. Now I don't, I don't know if he's going to get that either. I don't I don't know either. Oh gosh, that is, I feel bad saying that. Like I'm literally cringing, criticizing him. You're making me criticize people and I'm crying over it. Uh, no, I I don't think so either. I think you're right on that one. But I'm also a terrible better. So just that's, I should, full disclosure, I'm the worst better of all time. I don't know if you can technically be bad at it because it's like luck, but in terms of betting on like over-unders of specific like yardage, not my thing, more of a game picker and uh, the spread and things like that and futures for like Heisman and stuff like that definitely I'm, I'm, hey, this this is the first time we're really we're really starting to do this uh on this show so i'm definitely it's fun i'm definitely looking forward to how i grade out uh at the at the end of the year i'm sure yeah i'm sure, I'm sure i might make a lot of people some money or, or lose some people some money definitely apologize ahead of time if not the uh not the best uh picker so far but. hey betting is a part of it and now become a huge part of just being a sports fan in general and as much as the people who are do it often would like to say they're experts at it, they're really not, but it's so fun. And like the adrenaline rush of it is totally worth it. So if you're willing to, to put your, your um, chips where they may fall, apparently um, you will be okay. It's such a fun thing to do. <laughs> Definitely. And so the, the other quarterback that I wanted to hit on with you, we talked about Cincinnati a lot. I did wanted to get your thoughts on yes. Desmond, Ritter, Desmond Ritter's numbers because I think he's going to put up some really good numbers this year. He's got a lot of a lot of veteran receivers coming back and, and Alec Pierce and Michael Young Jr. on that team. He got some other talented receivers as well. But his passing yard over under right now is 2750. So I don't know. I, I'd probably lean the over on that one. I would absolutely take the over on that. I'm surprised by that those numbers between the two. I mean, I guess you can go based on their offense too, but I, I, yeah, no, I'm going to take the over on that one. Yeah. And I would too. And then the passing touchdown number is 22 and a half. I feel definitely, I feel like taking the yep. over on that one too. Yep. Why are these so low for him? Do people <laughs> not watch Cincinnati? Like I get, I mean, I guess not the playoff committee probably doesn't, but who am I to judge? <laughs> See, it's, it's weird because you think about a team, um, you know, just like Florida, for example, and Jacob Copeland, they're is going to be probably their number one wide receiver this year. And they obviously lost a uh, Tony and Grimes and yes. Pitts and those guys, but but he almost, you know, he had three touchdowns last year, which is the over under number in receiving touchdowns at three, being the number one option this year. And then he only last year he only had 
about a hundred yards uh, less receiving than his at, than his uh, number is currently at right now at five seventy five. So that's definitely wow. some definitely one that I'm going to be putting out yeah. uh, later later today or, or tomorrow about. That is that a great pick. Thank you for giving me that because that is a great place to put your money. The odds <laughs> are certainly in your favor there. <laughs> definitely, you know, just it's it's. I feel like with a lot of these numbers, they went off of uh, or they went off of last year's totals. They didn't really take into account uh, who's coming back and who left. Yeah. And then, but I mean, if you know, if you if you find so you find the props like that, I mean, there's going to be easy money out there for you. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, Paige, thanks so much for for taking time again today. I know you really enjoy having you all the time. It's really fun talking college football with you just but tell everybody where they can find you on social media where they can find your uh work at bleacher report i know you got some exciting things coming that we're not going to reveal uh just yeah. yet you know, the deals are certainly being finalized but but just tell everybody where they can find your content and and just really appreciate you taking the time again today yeah um i am that sports page t-h-a-t that sports page on everything twitter tiktok um Instagram, all of the things. And then um, obviously my t I um, run an editorial staff at Bleacher Report. So please download the app, subscribe to the, the college football stream. We um, are, we bring in new writers. We're starting to revamp some of our content and change it a little bit from years past. It's gonna be a little bit more fun than usual. Um, so I'm hoping people head that way and, and check some of it out. No doubt. And Paige, hope you stay safe and well. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. And shout out to everybody for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and, and go over to Prize Picks and, and and cash in on some of the some of the props that we've been talking about. Use the code Crunch Time Plays; you'll automatically get that deposit match. And just really appreciate everybody doing that. Really appreciate everybody watching and listening. And God bless everybody. <laughs>